a little more introduction. Um, as Angela said, my name is Pastor Katie Grinberg, and I serve as the Director of Contextual Education and a lecturer at Pacific Lutheran Theological Seminary in Berkeley. It's a joy to be with you this morning. And I say that, and then I'm gonna make a confession, because I really struggle with this day. I struggle with this text. I struggle with everything that it kind of seems to stand for. So Christ the King, or Reign of Christ Sunday, as we've kind of, um, a lot of uh, progressive Christians have started calling it Reign of Christ Sunday in recent years. As far as the church goes, it's a relatively new high holy day. It was um, instituted by the Pope after World War I as a time to say that the dictators and authoritarians are not our Lord, our rulers, that, that we all need to turn toward Jesus and that Jesus is in fact the king, the ruler of our lives. Now, I don't have a problem with that per se, except that it can and has, in some instances, that kind of imagery, that kind of thinking has led us down, in more than one country, the path of Christian nationalism that says that if Jesus is king, if Jesus is Lord, then everyone, everyone needs to recognize the kingship of Jesus. And it starts setting up this in and out, this us and them, and it can be spun and twisted and turned in ways where people with power use it to exclude and oppress, and in some cases annihilate other people. People who conveniently don't agree with them or don't look like them or don't pray like them. It becomes a piece of control rather than this idea that God is in fact ruler of all, creator of all. So I struggle a little bit with this Christ the King, Reign of King Sunday commemoration. But even more, I struggle with this text, y'all. This idea that at some point, as Jesus is telling his disciples, this idea that at some point there will be God or Jesus sitting on a throne separating us. Goats on the left, sheep on the right. And that there will come a time where there is this great power separating us, one from the other, sheep on the right, goats on the left. And as a Lutheran theologian, I'm even more disturbed because in this particular section of Matthew, it's about what we have done that gets us separated, what we have done. You who have fed the hungry, please, you're a sheep. You who have not given any water to those who are thirsty or visited those who are lonely, goat, off you go to the left. And at the end, we hear that the sheep are in the heavenly kingdom and the goats are not. And I struggle 
with this because that's not the God I know. Not the God I've met. Not the God I'm in relationship through Jesus. It's not the God that Jesus preaches in the rest of the Gospels. This God who will separate and judge and cast out. I struggle with this. I've met this God. I've met this God through friends and undergraduate and graduate school and my first swing through. I've met this God in people who sit in their certainty of their own rightness of how they see the world. And they are so certain that they put up fences and say, if you agree with me, then you can be inside the fence. If you pray like me, think like me, love like me, speak like me, look like me, then you can be inside this brick fence that we have established to say, you are one of us, everyone else is outside the fence. And conveniently, we inside the fence are the ones that are going to be saved. We are the sheep in this scenario. And we have done the right things and prayed the right prayers and said the right things. And we are the elect. We are the ones that have it right. And my friends in undergraduate and grad school that clung to this understanding of God, it brought them comfort. It helped them to know that they were right and that they were on the right side and the right hand of God and that God was going to save them. And they would make forays outside of that fence to tell about this God that they knew that wanted, they were certain, everyone to be saved, but you had to come inside the fence and abide by the rules of this particular group in order to be saved. If you make the choice to not do that, then be a goat and be cast into the outer darkness, as it says in other places in Matthew. I've met that God and I am not a fan. If all we had was this section of Matthew, I don't think I probably would be a Christian. I find very little comfort, very little to draw me in in this particular passage of Matthew. Because the other thing that we know, as Lutheran Christians, we confess a God who's always coming to us. The God who came to us in Jesus, the God who comes to us in our gathering, the God who meets us in Jesus, in those that we encounter in our daily lives, God is always coming to us. And we say that God loves us. And I'm here to remind you that God loves you wholly and completely God delights in you. God loves you and has called you by name. 
God meets us in the waters of baptism and at the table with bread and wine. God always comes to us. So I struggle with this idea that it's about what I do that gets me my place in heaven. And I struggle with this idea of God as king. This image of God or Jesus as king. I mean, it's all over scripture and it's in our hymns and our songs and there's nothing wrong with it. And I'm not saying that image of God is wrong, but it's one that I struggle with. Because to me, a king is filled with, or has land, and glitz, and jewels, and like Miss Amanda was talking about, the, the crown of gold and jewels. And also a king is out there somewhere removed because no one could name a king that they knew in person. Anyone of the big people, any of us know a king? Kings tend to be far off and removed and separate. And so not only those of us who know God through Christ, those of us who are disciples of Jesus, not only do we know a Jesus and the, the Jesus that we confess as king as a humble servant who, as we're about ready as we journey through Advent to once again open our hearts and our lives to the baby Jesus who came and lived and taught as a humble Palestinian Jew in an occupied land as part of an occupied people. Not only do we confess that Jesus, which is very far removed from the palace and the furs and the gold and the jewels, many of us know a Jesus who is also not far off. Jesus who does come to us and meets us a Jesus that we're in relationship with in prayer, in song, in community, at the table, Jesus promises to show up and be fully present with love and forgiveness and joy. And that as we partake of the body and blood of Jesus, we come together and become together again the body of Christ here. And that's another struggle I have with this text, to be honest, because it seems to mostly be about what happens after death, and that's fine. But what are we called to do here. And as the separation happens, it's talking about those who did the work here, but the reward seems to be for later, and we do it in order to not be cast out, but we do it in order to get the reward. But what I know is that the reward is also here. 
that when we sit with the lonely and feed the hungry and give water to the thirsty, as Jesus says here, Jesus is present in that moment, in that person, in us, and we meet Jesus in those moments. And the reward is here, because as we meet Jesus in one another, our understanding and of who Jesus is and how Jesus shows up grows. And as we in our communities are together in worship and service and fellowship, the body of Christ is strengthened and grows. And so it's not some far off king, but it is this Jesus that is here among us. And so I struggle, if I'm honest. Because I know. And I can remember all of the times, not yet, I can't remember all of the times, but I can remember times just in the last week when I've walked by someone on the street or driven by someone on a median with a sign and not only didn't stop and give them anything, I maybe not didn't even give them my attention. I've ignored phone calls or texts from friends who are lonely or tired or sick because I just can't one more time listen. I have not stood up when asked to stand I have not used my power, my privilege, my position to advocate for people who are not paid attention and not listened to. Because let's face it, when I show up in a room dressed like a pastor as a white middle-class person, people seem to care what I have to say more than people whose their policies are affecting most deeply. And I have failed to show up and be that person in advocacy. I have failed to write to my senators and congresspeople. I have failed. I have failed. And so if the time comes when I stand before a throne and there is separation, I am a goat. There is no doubt in my mind that God would look at me and say, wow, Katie, yeah, you did some stuff, but the list of things you didn't do is quite long. So off to the left with you. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think we can all identify the ways that we have failed to live the way that God calls us to live in the world. To be in relationship with one another, to give of ourselves and out of our abundance. And yes, we do that, but we don't do it all this time. In fact, in our confession, we confess the things that we have done and the things that we have failed to do. 
And so if the time would come when we're standing before a throne, most of us, if God would look at us and as Santa might, the naughty and nice list, most of us might end up on that left-handed goat side. Because I'm quite certain the times I have failed outweighs the times I have done the right thing for the right reasons, in the right way, at the right time. But I also know that this isn't the sum of the gospel because I've read the rest of Matthew and I've read Mark and Luke and John and the letters from Paul and the witnesses of our ancestors in faith and I know that the God that I'm in relationship through Jesus is not that God. That the God that I confess and follow is the God that delights in you. The God that loves you beyond measure. The God that has gifted you. The God that calls you, yes, to do this work in the world. To be in relationship with your neighbor and to feed the hungry and to visit the lonely, and to have compassion for the wounded. And for us together as community to take care of one another, and together to take care of the world, out of the love that we know from God through Jesus. Because it's that part that makes me be able to stand up and preach on this text. It's the through Jesus part. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a German theologian and pastor and seminary professor, in the build-up to World War II and during World War II, had a church, was part of a church called the Confessing Church. It was part of the Protestant church in Germany that wouldn't sign on to the Nazi pledge that many clergy did. And he also wrote a lot of stuff for his short life. He was very prolific in his writing. And in his book on ethics, he writes about how Jesus as an intermediary, that God looks at us, through Jesus. So if there comes a time where we stand in front of a throne, God isn't just looking at Katie with the list of things I didn't do. God looks at me through the wavy lens of Jesus and through Jesus, I am not a goat. I am all sheep. Jesus stands between us and that I see you through that lens of Jesus and you see me and all of our interactions that are through Jesus are through that filter of love and generosity and abundance through eyes and a heart that see what God has created you to be in all of your goodness. So yes, I struggle with this day and I struggle with this text. And sometimes I struggle with God. 
But the God that I know and the God I have met through Jesus is a God of abundant love and forgiveness and a God who calls us out of ourselves to be in relationship with one another and to be in relationship with our neighbors and to be in relationship to the world. God calls us out of ourselves to advocate and to share from our abundance, to use our power and privilege and position in order to speak and do on behalf of the greater good. To bring other people to the table and to the microphone when we have that ability so that this table only grows. The God who loves you, who calls you by name, loves you, delights in you, and loves you beyond all that we can measure, even until the end of the age, whatever that may look like and resting and knowing that we have that kind of love. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to worry about. There's no need to build those fences to keep people out because all are welcome. The God we know in Christ says all are welcome, all are known, and all are loved. And the Jesus that we confess as King is a humble, relational, sit-with-us-in-our-messes kind of king. And for that, thanks be to God.